0: to address loss and damage and to act now to keep 1.5 alive. And we know that this COP, COP26, is our last best hope to keep 1.5 in reach. And together we can seize the enormous opportunities for green growth, for good green jobs, for cheaper, cleaner power. But we need to hit the ground running to develop the solutions that we need. And that work, my friends, starts today. And we will succeed or fail as one. The words of COP26 President Alec Sharma in his opening speech in Glasgow, then came tough talks on how to cut emissions to avoid a climate catastrophe. Everybody's pretty much on the same page to do that. But will this conference actually be effective in slashing carbon emissions in time before we see a more than 1.5-degree rise in pre-industrial temperatures? That is the question. The EPP Group's Lydia Pereira and Esther DeLange are right there in the heart of COP26. So, Lydia, Esther, where do we stand now, for instance, on this idea of 100 billion a year in climate financing for the developing world? Are we going to clinch that deal on a global level?
1: Well, that's a lot of questions in one go, uh, Chris. It's Esther here. Uh, Lydia and I are literally standing crouched under an escalator, by the way, <laughs> at the moment, sharing one iPhone, and, and we both have like oh, wow. one, one ear plugged into uh, the system, but there you we, go. We, we'll do. Um, Listen, um, will this run into overtime? These kind of conferences normally do, right? Uh, So I would not be surprised. On the other hand, there is momentum after uh, the initiative of the the US and China yesterday. Of course, the question is, is that going, did that actually give us anything new in a way, or Mm -hmm. does it just confirm what the Chinese already put on the table, in which case it's not enough? Um, You know, we're still trying to figure that one out, um, but the momentum is there. And on your question on the finance, the famous 100 billion, right? We have to get there. Not getting there is not an option. It has been on the table for such a long time. Uh, We spoke to representatives of Bangladesh right, today, which really struck Hmm. me as a Dutch person, because as you know, I live in a Delta country. Um, We permanently have to deal with spikes in in river levels, but also rising sea levels. Uh, And we can do that because we can afford to protect ourselves against the sea. Bangladesh yes. cannot, although they have no impact whatsoever on a global scale on the actual CO2 output, so they didn't cause the problem, but they are suffering very much from it, and we need to help them also through this famous 100 billion um, of which yeah. of course, as you know, the EU and its member states are the biggest donor
0: and and the, the I mean you are the spokesperson for the EPP group on the fit for fifty five package that's reducing Europe's emissions by 55% by 2030 make hope on the road to making uh, the EU climate neutral by 2050. Um, But to do that, uh, and Europe cannot act alone. Europe needs to have other countries on board to do that. And I think that financing is important for that, right, Esther?
1: Oh, yeah, it definitely is. But this is really what we Europeans are doing at these types of conferences, right? This is to yeah. get the other parts of the world to, to work with us. And, I mean, things have looked looked worse before in the past. You know, don't forget that when we started this process, uh, Kyoto, etc., um, we could, could not even convince the U.S. to actually ratify these kind of agreements, you know, so, so there's yes. much more engagement. Of course, we want China to do more. Uh, of course, we want other uh, developed nations to do more, but that, that is what we're here for. Uh, and I think as an EU, we have to set the right example.
0: And, and L- Lydia, let me go over to you. Um, what are you hearing over there? And, and you uh, uh, being sort of the point, point person uh, for uh, COP26 for the EPP group, um, what do you think? Is this going to go into overtime, and, and what are you hearing on the ground there? Well,
2: first of all, uh, what I hear, and I think it is important to underline, is that the EU was the only geographical block that came to this conference with homework done. Uh, we uh-huh. were the first continent uh, in the world to approve a climate law. We were the first ones to deliver a strategy mm-hmm. on the Green Deal. And we are now in the process of negotiations for the Fit for 55, as Esther was uh, uh, explaining, the, the package yeah. that is basically the roadmap to deliver on the, our ambition for, on the climate law. Uh, so I think it is um, uh, important that we notice uh, what we have done and how our, and what are the implications uh, for the other regions and the geographies in the world um, that with whom we've been in permanent dialogue. And um, let me stress out this, like, as Esther said, like China is not doing enough and the they want to be carbon neutral only by 2060. They are the biggest emitters uh, in the world. So they, has, they have to show a different commitment uh, in, this, in this front. Uh, but at the same time, the EU, and despite the fact that we have many divergences, starting uh, by democracy, human rights uh, with China, but if we want to care about our planet, if, planet, if we want to deliver, we have to have China in the dialogue, and we have to have China on board this, uh, with this, uh, with the ambition as well uh, to reduce CO2 emissions. So I think it is positive um, that the EU has been keeping the dialogue with China, and I think it is partially, uh, if not all, if not if not uh, responsible um, for the breakthrough yesterday between the agreement mm. of uh, US and China. Uh, so I think wh- when we came here. Uh, we were hearing a lot of frustration with COP26 because it was not ambitious enough. But yes. honestly, the feeling here, the mood here is that this COP is going to be, in the end, um, a success. We, well, maybe the ambitions were not all fulfilled, but we are on the right path. And this is the right platform to um, exchange perspectives and Commit uh, to care for a house that is uh, uh, for our home that is shared by everyone. So, the mo- the feeling here is that it, it is a positive uh, conference in the end, um, despite the fact there will always be people unhappy. But uh, I think uh, we did some progress. Uh, we are doing some progress. This is not finished yet. Only on Saturday it will come to an end. So there's a lot of um, you know last minute negotiations that yes. uh, can be uh, can be announced uh, very soon. And,
1: and maybe okay. Chris, you know, we are very yeah. used to, of course, uh, both of us being members of the European Parliament. We we know that this, in the end, is about what what's makes what makes it to the final version of the text, mm-hmm. right? Okay, uh, we've now reached right. the stage uh, stage when there's texts floating around for the first time. There's talk about um, you know phasing out subsidies to fossil fuels. So so fossil, right. just the concept and the fact that uh, coal cannot be forever. To say in plain right. English. The recognition of that is currently still in the text. Uh, now, this is, of course, very much what Fit for 55 is, is based upon, right? We exactly. need to go into this transition to more sustainable uh, forms of, uh, of energy. Uh, we will also help our coal regions to make that transition with us. Uh, now, to have this recognized also in this global level text, um, would of mm. course be, be very very good because it, as you said it's always better to do this oh. at a global level than the EU alone
0: yeah, yeah what are you, what are you hearing about a, a talk about a global tax on carbon markets uh, to to help to fund that hundred billion for the developing world what are you hearing about that well
2: actually uh, we don't hear uh, criticism which is uh, which is uh, already. Huh. Um, yeah. Positive, yeah, I would say. Um, well, uh, the point here is that the EU, we are going to move forward with that and it's a good example. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, we made a lot of progress on the other spheres of, uh, of, the, of this climate uh, conference. Um, I, I'm a bit prudent in saying that this will come, out, come through in the last version uh, of the text. Um, yeah but i think there tricky. is there is it it is tricky in it but I think yeah. there is some hope for example on the uh, carbon market um, the change of the position yeah. of brazil it is a sign, and I think eventually we are on the right uh path as well to maybe see something coming out of these uh, very important and um, uh, polemic and controversial mm. uh, Article 6 um, of these negotiations.
1: And, and
0: let's yeah, maybe not the forget fact,
1: right, Chris, yeah. I mean the the, the, the T word uh, taxation is of course always yeah. one that that, that that really gets heartbeats going uh, in one way or another. <laughs> um, sure. But but of course, I mean, we have the ETS system in Europe that does put a price on carbon and this Emissions whole,
0: trading system. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry about right.
1: that. Indeed. Uh, uh, so, so, you know, you have to buy the right to emit CO2. So if you're a clean yeah. factory and you don't need a lot of rights, you know, you're, you're, you're cheaper than your competition. So it's kind of a market based system, which is, uh, by the way, the system that works best in the EU at the moment. Uh, the other method right. is, of course, to set a target at the EU level, like we do for the effort sharing, and then ask member states to please fulfill their national target. That works less well than, you know, uh, working through the market. So this ETS system that we have in your Europe um, uh, really does its job, that's why we're now Mm. in a discussion whether we should not extend it uh, to other uh, sectors. Um, but it does yes. put a price on carbon. So whether you do that through taxation or whether you do that through a market-based uh, system, it doesn't really matter from my point of view as long as you have a system that works and put, puts a price on carbon. And and that is, of course, the discussion uh, now also in the context of Article 6, uh, that these systems that different parts of the world Have can cooperate together in a way that avoids double accounting, double counting, right? right, That you don't count the emissions in two different countries. If you cooperate with another country, that would not make sense for the climate, but also in such a way that, um, you know. We can kind of hopefully, at some point in the future, link a number of these systems that are very similar. So step yeah. by step, we really get um, you know closer where, to because, where we need to be globally. Because
0: Esther, part, part of your I think part of your mission uh, as, as spokesperson for fit, for 55 uh, is is to try to ensure that uh, this be a win-win for Europe that. Uh, even though we have emissions trading, uh, and that's very important, that, that, it does, that, that it helps to create and keep jobs. And if, if we put business in Europe at a disadvantage compared to other parts of the world, it's not going to work. So that is where there's talk within Europe of having a carbon tax or a, a tariff on, on uh, products that come into Europe that are uh, uh, manufactured by countries that are, that are not uh, as as clean uh, in carbon terms, and and that this is where the, it's in the, it's it's in the interest of everybody to reach a global tax on carbon markets. Uh, so that um, nobody put it, so so that we can establish a level playing field. Well, right? that's
1: the key word there, Chris. It's level playing field. Yeah. Uh, and let's not call the carbon border adjustment mechanism a tax, by the way, because then we will definitely not get there. Yeah. But what the carbon border sure. adjustment mechanism tries to do is to exactly level the playing field. If we demand, you know, more than the rest of the developed world from our industry then we're at risk of that industry moving to elsewhere, which would not help the climate because they would admit maybe even more uh, over there and our innovation, our jobs would be lost. So leveling the, the playing field in one way or another, that could be by actually mm-hmm. indeed, uh, you know, calculating a correction at the moment that products enter our market. That would be a carbon border adjustment mechanism. But it could That's also be... That's one way to be, do it. But it'd be yeah, better
0: but, if it were global exactly
1: but what what it will in any case have a global effect hopefully in the sense that um you know many parts of the world uh, are thinking well you know if the europeans say i can still trade with them without this cbam without this border adjustment mechanism if i have a similar system to their ets um we might want to Mm -hmm. look into that in a bit more detail so in one way or another either by calculating a correction at the border or by moving into similar systems, which would of course be preferable, because then you have a level playing field without a lot of hassle. So let's see how that turns out. CBAM for sure is a hotly debated topic. Not everyone is convinced yet, but I'm quite sure Sure. that we have to somehow make sure that our industry becomes green, but that these green jobs are also done in Europe, by European hands. I cannot explain to my voters that, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, buses uh, for green public transport are currently made in China by companies that get lots of state aid, which is not allowed in the EU. So I'm not against yep, Chinese it's... products, but I am in favor of a level playing field.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, let me, uh, I'd like to bring in Tom Baden-Candelara, uh, uh, a member of the European Parliament as well. Uh, he, uh, Tom, you've requested the floor. Can I bring you in now? Can you hear us?
1: Yes, Chris, I can hear you very well. I hope you can hear me. uh, Absolutely. Warm warm greetings to my uh, two colleagues in Glasgow. The the question I have is on China precisely, because China has been, for me, the enigma so far in this COP meeting. Um, How are people looking at China there in Glasgow? How is the feeling around China and its way in which it behaves on this COP meeting? One
0: question, second question. Um, Do you believe or do you consider uh, their climate policy and the way in which they behave is part of their greater geopolitical
1: toolbox, or are they actually making a, a genuine uh, a climate policy there at uh, COP Glasgow? Thank you,
0: Lydia. Esther?
2: Yeah, uh, well, cri- uh, in the hello, Tom. Very good, <laughs> <That> first, <yes. laughs> very good to hear you. Um, well, um, what we see from, um, from the various meetings we are having is that. China is willing to dialogue. Uh, so I think um, it is it is positive in this sense, like if they were really not interested and because uh, President Xi Jinping was, was not uh, here last yeah, week. he didn't show uh, he up. He didn't so show up, but uh, there. Uh, neither uh, Vladimir Putin. Um, so yeah. um, right. in any case, the president of Brazil, he was not here, but he addressed the conference uh, in video conference. Um, so I, but as I said, the feedback is that they are willing to negotiate. And also, um, going back to yesterday's agreement, uh, I mean, mm. it was it's a joint declaration between the US and China. And if they are not delivering, and in particular now speaking about China, if they don't deliver as they signed off, it seems, um, well, then, then they are not credible. And we will be here uh, watching what their moves are and see mm-hmm. whether um, we can have actually a cooperation um, in, a, in an issue, in a topic that uh, is uh, is of uh, care and interest uh, for everybody, uh, I think it's still we, will, we are we are going to see in, in the last days of this uh, conference eventually if there's um, a breakthrough with the carbon neutrality um, by earlier than uh, than 2060. Uh, this was mentioned in the in a joint press conference just a few uh, minutes ago. By uh, Vice President Timmermans and uh, our Chief of Delegation uh, Peter Liese. Um, so mm. uh, we will have to um, we have to be cautious, but I think for a matter of credibility in the international scene, China will have to deliver. Um, now on the on the second question, uh, which uh, uh, which is what is the uh, I think the mood uh, uh, if we can if we can trust uh, China or not? Um, well, uh, it's again um, I would uh, I would say still to be seen. Um, but um, uh, if they were not interested at all, and if they only, only want to use this uh, opportunity as a geopolitical tool, well, that we will see very soon. Um, because mm-hmm. um, the, the commitment is that also for 2022, there is already uh, policies in, in place that actually deliver for the commitments that were signed yesterday. So I mm-hmm. guess uh, we will. Uh, it's still to be seen. Um, I would be cautious, but I think it is relevant and positive that China kept dialoguing with us, uh, with everyone, and so, well, as I, I said earlier, we need China to reduce the CO2 emissions, so Uh, We have also to have a bit of a pragmatic approach uh, on
1: on this matter. But everything is geopolitical, of course, right? Let's not be naive. You know, there's, there's a concern also in the EPP that, for example, the U.S. really has an investment agenda when it comes to making the transition we have a legislative agenda which yeah. is regulation right and if we do this wrong there's too much legislation and not enough innovation in europe yeah. so that's a yeah. big uh, epp concern and of course if the americans with their more innovative agenda can kind of outcompete us uh, you know and and take the lead also geopolitically they will not hesitate to do that uh, you know the, the the fact that china is now talking about a deadline that is longer 10 years longer than uh, the European one, uh, of course, that's not only a technical discussion, uh, it is also uh, about power. Uh, yeah. and can we actually outcompete each other while getting mm. to our climate goals? So, so let's be watchful on that front as well.
0: Uh, what about this uh, you know, the question between incentives and bans, you know banning certain kinds of things to, to cut emissions, and incentives for people, to cut emissions. Uh, would one of you like to to address that? Uh, that Because when you come back from COP26, you've got to sell this agreement, right? How are you going to do that?
2: Yeah, well, I think uh, we don't talk a lot about this and I think it is relevant. There is, uh, It seems like when we talk about environment, it's all negative. It's like, oh, it's we have to reduce, we have to reduce. It is true, but hmm. we also have to change for a new paradigm. And I think this new uh, framework and uh, the way we see that we can uh, work together in a more collaborative uh, approach, but uh, in terms of economy, that we change for a more circular economy, it will create a lot of opportunities. And so, um, if we are um, uh, on, the, uh, on the job side, eventually, uh, if we talk about Amazonia, and if we talk about the industry that depends on the deforestation, then we'll have to have a change. So, how do we create new sources of income for those communities, for those uh, industries, uh, but there is opportunity. If we look at Africa, if we look at um, uh, the, um, uh, the, 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 the the wild hunting that is out there mm. and the communities that depended on that, but they changed because of protection of biodiversity. They now have new uh, sectors operating, like uh, in the in the tourism sector or um, so things like that. So it is possible to sell. A positive agenda because there is an agenda that is uh, positive the same and instead was referring to innovation and technology it will bring yeah. a lot of new jobs that are not even created but they will exist eventually there's a, a powerful industry on data that will also help us uh, predicting understanding and monitoring environment and and the people will have to have uh, a space in those in those jobs like being qualified and um, new businesses will um, arise from from the implementation of the of these uh, of, of the of the, law, of the regulations and and the and the, the roadmaps. So there is yeah. uh, it is possible uh, to change, and I think there is this uh, there should it should it's not very much uh, touched upon, um, but uh, uh, this is how I see um, the, uh, the, the the possibilities. Now we cannot neglect the impact that it might have in low income families, and so. We, in the EPP, we are also concerned that we can deliver and we don't put the burden uh, equally for everyone and that this transition can leave people behind. This is like a red line for us. We have to care about uh, the uh, low-income uh, families and, uh, and we have to find a balance um, in, this, well, that's uh, it. in this transition.
0: Yeah. Exactly. There has to, There's that, that talk of a, the social facility the, where the EU can help to soften the blow for those who might be initially uh, affected by that. We, We don't want to see more yellow vests out in the street when we're trying to make this transition, right, Esther?
1: Yeah, that's true, and of course you have to be very honest. I mean, um, the
0: the biggest the
1: biggest wallets to address the social impacts are with the member states. Uh, They're not at EU level. You know, look at the size of our budget and look at the size of national budgets. So, I mean, this will come from the member states. But there's indeed also the social climate fund, um, uh, which should help at the European level really to make sure that that we help rather than force without giving them the tools to do it, you know, in particular, Mm -hmm. those at risk of of energy poverty or transport poverty to also uh, be part of the transition. And as far as I'm concerned, might surprise you maybe uh, coming from the EPP, but we find this fund as proposed at the moment. Yes, it's climate. But it's not social enough in the sense that, you know, it's not really steering the money. I have no guarantee for the moment that this facility is really going to those who need it most. And for us. Yes, that is people living in, in, in substandard rental housing, you know, who pay mm-hmm. a lot on heating because just the landlord is too miserable to actually uh, take care of insulation. Um, but yep. what about, you know, um, middle income earners with a family who just managed to buy a house? The housing prices are uh, high, both in Portugal and in the Netherlands. So we're, we're all in mm-hmm. the same boat. Um, so don't, don't overlook the middle classes there either. And we want to make sure that it really, um, gets there where it is socially needed. Uh, that's what this fund is supposed to do.
0: Absolutely. Um, now how do we find this right mix of, you know, CO2 pricing targets, regulation? Where do we find that? How do we find that balance? Where, where does the EPP group stand on that? Um, which of you would like to comment on that?
1: Well, for the EPP, it's really a matter of, you know, uh, a a policy that does not start by excluding all kinds of things, right? Like you say, it is about finding the right balance between legislation and innovation, uh, between um, kind of forcing those who can, but helping those who cannot. Um, uh, That has really always been the EPP line. And that means that for us, it's not only about fit for 55. It is also mm-hmm. about having an industrial policy that assures this level playing field. And uh, that might mean that we need to change our procurement rules, you know, in order to level that playing field and give opportunities to our companies. We need to look at uh, strategic sectors that we might want to, you know, protect because otherwise yeah. they will get eaten uh, and right. the technology will disappear. So for the EPP, really, an, a, 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 a green and smart industrial policy goes hand in hand with this climate package.
0: Let me, I'd like to call in, uh, while we still have a few minutes left, uh, a, a journalist, uh, Christelle Guibert. Are you with us? Yes. Bonjour.
2: Bonjour. Do you I have, have a question? Yes. Um, just one question. So, so sorry, I, w- I was not here at the beginning, but um, uh, perhaps a reaction about the
1: carbon market. Uh, what do you think about the beginning of negotiation? I guess this is a question about the Article Six, right, Chris? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, That's right. The, the fact that we're—I mean, this was part of our homework, right? That—that that was basically yeah. left over last time, and we're making progress now. Uh, so I—we're not there yet. Don't get me wrong, but I think the fact that we're moving is positive. Uh, we need to get some more details. We're kind of sniffing around, like <laughs>
2: we have a briefing in uh, a few in a, in a few in next minutes hour, where yeah. we need
1: to go. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Sorry about that. Well, we hope
0: to hear your tweets on that.
1: Very much work in progress. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay, thanks.
0: Uh, Maybe uh, uh, there is also talk. I don't know how much you can say about this, but, you know, what I've been reading is there's, there's talk of extending the emissions trading system to shipping and aviation. What do you think?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, of course, uh, the EU is the only part of the world that already has their own uh, flights, so to say, within the ETS system, right? So we Mm -hmm. put a price on carbon for the EU flights. Now, you know that, uh, you know, the fact that we also wanted to include the flights to Europe from other parts of the world into this system uh, led to Mm -hmm. a huge fight a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. We need to find a way to get this done. I mean, aviation yeah. is increasing. Of course, there's a dip now because of Corona, but it's expected that this is one of the sectors that is not the biggest emitter, but that is the the, the steepest grower or one of the steepest uh, projected growers. So we need to find a solution there, either globally and and Corsia. You know, is too timid uh, as yeah. an approach. Uh, so the debate should go about what can be done more at global level. And if that is not possible, of course, there will be a debate in Europe again about whether we should not, you know, include more uh, in our EU ETS. Or, and this has been an idea that has been pushed by the EPP uh, for a while now, to say why don't we start with the transatlantic flights? Like, uh, you mm-hmm. know, we reached an agreement with the US on um, and, and and other countries on methane, which was uh, one of the sectors that we still have to tackle. Uh, why can't we work together with the US on transatlantic flights? So. You know, my mother always used to say, if you can't get it done one way, globally, all together at one moment, you have to try the other way. And why not go transatlantic?
2: May first? I just May I just build up on what this sure, just, uh, yeah. just mentioned about the transatlantic? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, well, in the end, it's transatlantic relations as well. I was in the U.S. the past week, and um, we had various exchange with uh, different businesses, think tanks, and administration. Um, uh, But we felt that somehow there's this perception that the EU uh, is not doing enough uh, for um, the transatlantic relationship. Well, I think it's uh, rather the opposite. And the recent developments that we witnessed uh, just before the summer um, sends a different signal. So I think uh, it would be uh, very good to see that there's action from the US because we have a climate law. The US has... uh, a list of aspirations, uh, it's yes. not yet law, and the Congress, and we know how difficult it will it's be to pass, to pass yeah. the bill. Mm. So I think uh, it could be interesting uh, that there is also uh, you know, one step forward from the US uh, in terms mm. of you know, the care about the climate. It's not just uh, advocating for the New Green Deal, because that's easy to say, it's actually delivering in actions, and that will be mm. a good step forward uh, to actually go and meet uh, halfway.
0: What about, um, and this, this does impinge on, on the aviation sector and on the automotive sector, about alternative fuels like hydrogen and so forth. Um, how much can the European Union show leadership on that? And and how quickly can we make that that, that transition? It's not easy.
1: Let, let's make that the last one, Chris, because really we're, 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 we should be running you already. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, the, the EU has shown leadership because there's legislation on the table for alternative fuel, Infrastructure for blending, uh, you know, sustainable fuels in the area of aviation, uh, all of that. But we need innovation as well for a completely new type of planes. What Mm -hmm. is important for the EPP is that we keep kind of a um, a, a, a technology neutral outlook in this issue, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It can't all be electrical. It might be more interesting for trucks to move to hydrogen because they're heavier, you know, whatever works sure. in the market, as long as it's green. We see a lot of dogmatism, you know, that that, that, that people uh, uh, that politicians believe that they should choose a technology. No, they should go for green and let the market then deliver, you know, what kind of green it will be. So um, sure. uh, this is the EPP line that we will follow. Uh, I think it's both... Pragmatic and realistic, but on the other hand, extremely green and innovative, and this is what we owe to our children and, and later their children. Uh, uh, doing nothing is no. not an option.
0: Absolutely, uh, Lydia. Any final word there? And yeah. We'll, well, wrap this up for uh, you. N-
2: not necessarily on this point, but just to uh, uh, comment on something that uh, we also uh, have been um, uh, seeing here which is um, the central um, uh, pillar that adaptation uh, became mm. um, in this conference. Um, we've been talking a lot about mitigation to climate change, but yeah. there's also uh, a lot of uh, extreme weather events that are becoming more yes. um, uh, frequent. Uh, I speak from my own country uh, in Portugal. Uh, we mm-hmm. have uh, floods, we have Fires, we had floods. in 2017, yeah. uh, the terrible uh, rainforest fires, which, which uh, you mm-hmm. know, um, killed a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. So we also have to care about adaptation because we have to prepare the communities uh, to be ready to, the, to, to respond to these extreme weather events. We have to have the infrastructures also prepared yes. uh, to deliver on that. So um, I'm very happy to see that adaptation took here also uh, a central role uh, in the negotiations, or they have been subject to uh, mm-hmm. a lot of attention. Um, and I've been talking about adaptation. I've been always saying that it's not uh, uh, put in the agenda enough. And finally, I see that uh, also that the, se- the sensitivity that I think it is positive to something that we cannot keep see- listening to the minister from Maldives. Um, uh, yeah. saying that we want to keep our communities there. We don't want to come to live in Europe. <laughs> we are happy there, but yeah. we have to be prepared to, uh, to, to live in different circumstances. So, yeah, I think it is positive, and it's just uh, the last uh, the, the last line on adaptation is also important.
0: Well, and, and, and the more we see the price tag on adaptation, perhaps the more we'll uh, also think about uh, uh, spending more on mitigation on trying to cut the emissions in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, good to hear from you both. Uh, Lydia Pereira, Esther DeLange of the EPT Group uh, at COP26. Our fingers crossed that in the next couple of days, some, uh, some real agreements uh, in addition to what we've heard already can be reached. Thanks so much. And we'll be watching you uh, on Twitter uh, at EPP Group is the handle and uh, and watch for uh, hashtag COP26, of course, as well.
1: You forgot. Thanks very you much. You forgot to stare. Yeah. You forgot to stare. No, you didn't. <laughs> Take care, Chris. Uh, we'll, ah. uh, we'll keep
0: you posted. <laughs> okay. Bye. Right. Bye-bye, Chris. Okay. Bye-bye bye now. Ciao. All the best to everyone. Thanks for listening.